0: So, today, I have a very special guest, and I am so excited for you to hear her story. This is Emma, and I have been working with her for about a year. Exactly. And she is in her late twenties and she has one sibling and married parents. And she has an incredibly powerful and inspiring story. She is a beautiful person and she is so strong. But when I met her, she was in one of the lowest points she's ever been. So I (laughs) should go ahead and say hi, Emma, before I just start talking (laughs) about you like you're not here.
1: It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, when you hear Emma's story, you're going to be blown away like I have been. And if you see my podcast webpage, which is neverperfect.org, you will see in there that I have a description of One of the reasons I love doing therapy and I, one of the main reasons that I just find this work so rewarding and it feels like a sacred opportunity to hear people's stories and to see recovery. And some of this sounds really cheesy, but sometimes I said in this, you know, description, it feels like I'm watching a flower bloom. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exciting how I feel about you. Like, (laughs) thank you. You have worked so, so hard. And I know everybody can't always give 100% in therapy or any piece of their life, you know, but if I had to give you a percentage, I think you have given 100% in therapy. (laughs) Yay. That's exciting to hear. Well, yeah. I mean, Emma, this will come out, but, you know, she's read books, she's done homework, she has written letter after letter after letter
1: <laughs> multiple
0: <laughs> journaling yeah um and i and i'm sure this will be woven into her story today but um so i'll i'll let you hear from her but i guess you know one more piece about emma is just when she first came in Um, and I'm going to start talking to you instead of say, she like, you're not here (laughs) when you first came in, you know, you reported a lot of depression Yes, and your voice was even just tired. Like you seemed so tired. And I, sometimes I describe depression as a deep, deep sadness with a lot of fatigue and low energy Mm -hmm. and watching you come to life has been amazing because you have this quiet strength that has always been there, Mm -hmm. but that little spark was there at the beginning, but you have just gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. And I think your story is just going to give people a lot of hope. And okay. One last thing. Um, (laughs) When Emma said, I'm ready to record a podcast episode with you, we struggled to figure out which topic because I think she has so much to share about restoring broken relationships, recovering from self-medication or addiction, Mm -hmm. going from the brink of suicide to the healthiest and happiest you've ever been, (laughs) or why therapy helps, how therapy can work. Um, And so it was kind of like an eeny, meeny, miny, mo. like I just you know, and hopefully Emma will come back again because your story (laughs) is probably about five hours worth of (laughs) stuff. So, so there's a long intro, but yeah, (laughs) thank you for your courage to be here.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, So I guess a little bit about me. I grew up in a very traditional Baptist home, Mm -hmm. Um, very strict rules because I am the oldest child. So I was the science experiment or whatever you would say, (laughs) the guinea pig. pig, That's what it is. Um, yeah. So I had a lot more rules. Um, I also was quiet, very much a people pleaser. Um, always wanted to make my parents happy regardless of my own happiness. Um, Mm. so growing up, I was always the goody goody followed all the rules. Um, and just did everything that was requested of me internalized a lot of frustrations, probably. Yes. All the frustrations. Yeah. And I wasn't able to express my feelings and to talk about how I felt because my feelings weren't as important as my parents feelings Mm. at the time, or I didn't think they were. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I grew up and still didn't do anything such as substances um until the age of 24 which i am now 28 and i started drinking at 24 and i wouldn't say very heavily but i guess like a year or so after that i did start drinking very heavily and eventually sent myself to the hospital because i and i don't know if you knew that i can't remember <laughs> i don't
0: i don't remember that
1: yeah i um I had drank so much and became so dehydrated that I was rushed to the hospital and had to get. I didn't have alcohol poisoning, but I did have two IVs. Wow. Um, at the time. So, yeah, I've used, I guess, a few substances in the last four years of my life um, because I didn't really have that much of a party. Um, type of personality in high school and throughout college Mm -hmm. you were a late starter yes very late bloomer (laughs) (laughs) um and then just decided to try a lot of things within the last four years which has not been the best decision so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i am here now and i can say that um i still struggle very hard with a lot of these substances um and still trying to get over the fact that I cope with them. Um, but I can say I have a much better handle on how they affect my body and my mind and how that stunts my growth mentally. So mm,
0: That's great. Yeah. Can you talk a little more about, oh, yeah, and we forgot to turn off that heater. Do you mind flipping that switch behind you? <laughs> Emma and I are both kind of cold natured. So we had that space heater on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Can you talk about why you started at 24 and then maybe what led you, you know, initially you weren't maybe abusing or overusing alcohol, mm-hmm. but within about a year, it sounds like you felt like it was an unhealthy coping yeah. mechanism or self-medication.
1: Yeah. So I, guess um, I started using, so I started drinking, um, 24. And then I started smoking marijuana at 25. Mm -hmm. Um, and at 27, I dabbled in cocaine and did that for about, I guess a little over a year. Um, did you seek that out or did others kind of, um, so with, um, the cocaine and I also smoke nicotine currently. Um, and that is, one of the harder things for me to quit Mm -hmm. as of right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, cocaine and nicotine were introduced to me by an ex boyfriend. Um, Mm -hmm. he didn't make me do that or he didn't like push it on me, but it was there in front of me. And I have a very addictive personality, Mm -hmm. um, and had very little self-control at the time. Um, So it was very hard for me to say no. Mm -hmm. And I am the one to be like, Yeah, let's try it. Why not? What can it possibly do to me that I haven't already done to my body? Mm. Um, So yeah, uh, just unhealthy people and being around like an unhealthy friend group at the time was a big, I guess, encouragement Mm -hmm. in using these um, substances. And I can say I no longer do cocaine, which I, while being here in therapy with Beth, I, she was like, no, that's so bad for your heart. And I was like, that, that honestly was my, um, motivation, motivation to stop doing it. Honestly, um, don't really know why that was, but it That's gave, interesting. Yeah. I, I guess I don't know why I could see
0: that though. That's something I've kind of realized over time that happens with me as well, but also clients where when they understand the why of like, why should you sleep when the sun is down instead of sleeping all day long? Mm-hmm. Or why should you go to bed at a consistent time or even silly things like why you ice an injury? Once I understood why the ice worked, I started icing more. Yeah. So I think that when you realize a lot of these rules or life principles of don't do that, when you realize why they hurt you or how they hurt you, that yeah. gives you more motivation than just
1: oh, don't yeah. do it. Yeah. And I think that's why I've been able to stop doing a lot of these things at certain points in my life. Like, I'm not saying I have stopped drinking and doing all of the things, but definitely like learning and teaching yourself how it does affect your body and how it definitely affects your mental health Mm -hmm. is a key thing and wanting for me to quit personally Mm. Um, because I would use weed at the time um, because that was the first substance I used to cope with um, past trauma and Mm -hmm. with my anxiety and depression and to avoid feeling And because it would just give me that temporary happiness, Mm -hmm. um, which doesn't last, I will say. Um, But it did make me feel happy in the moment. And that's all that mattered to me at the time. Just Um, a relief, like a little break
0: from pain and suffering.
1: Yes. I wrote, the substances numb the pain for me. and, And it did. And it made me feel like I was convincing myself that I was happy. When in reality, looking back on it, I was just creating my own happiness by using these substances. Mm. Um,
0: And it didn't last. That's a key piece right there.
1: Yes. No, it didn't last. I have not smoked marijuana in, it was two months yesterday, (laughs) which is the longest I have gone without smoking since I have started smoking. So that's a big Big thing for me. Huge accomplishment. Um, Yeah. And it was very hard because that's the number one substance that I really enjoy. That was your favorite. Yeah, definitely my favorite. Um, Alcohol is great every once in a while, but I'm like, okay, then you feel like crap the next day Mm -hmm. or in a couple hours when you have a headache or your body is just completely dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the nicotine, um, that's just my brain tells me I need it. And my body thinks it needs it when in reality is, it's just slowly killing me Mm. um, and hurting my lungs. So, it's another good motivation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You need those organs for real. (laughs) So um, I think, yeah, teaching myself about what it does to my body was super important for me to quit or lay back a little bit on some of the things that I was using. Mm. So I have a quick example to tell you, and then I'd love
0: for you to talk about your process since you stopped the weed two months ago, like how you felt different, but you'll appreciate the story. There's a woman I had worked with, um, you know, for a few years off and on, and she had been smoking weed every day for about 10 years. Oh, wow. And she has some pain and chronic health issues. And so I had a lot of compassion for why mm-hmm. the um, besides mental health issues, she also had some real true physical medical conditions. Yeah. But she was trying to stop. And I think she said she had never missed a day for 10 years.
1: Wow. And,
0: and she would kind of one of those people that would sort of pop in and out of therapy, you know, mm-hmm. and see her for two or three sessions and I wouldn't see her for six months. But anyway, she came back one day for a session. And when I saw her in the lobby, I was like, she looks amazing. And over the years I've learned if someone looks like really better or like a glow, I should Mm -hmm. maybe say something because maybe they (laughs) left an abusive partner or so I said, you look so good. And she, I said, what did you do? Is it your hair? You're just, and she goes, I stopped smoking weed about a month ago.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I couldn't
0: believe, I mean, it was like, it looked like she'd had a makeover. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm kind of curious if you've noticed anything since you stopped. Oh,
1: definitely I have. Um, So I guess it was two weeks after I could tell that I was much happier. And it was just because my body was regulating to being sober again and Mm. to not creating its own happiness by smoking. Mm. Um, And just doing like waking up early in the morning, just having a routine. Um, because when I would smoke, I would just be lazy and mm. sleep like very late in the morning. Um, but since not smoking, I had a routine. I woke up at 7 30, I'd have coffee, I'd do something productive. Um More energy
0: and motivation. Yes.
1: So and I could just tell my overall happiness and I'd have a positive attitude throughout the day. Um And my attitude towards other people was a lot different. And the Mm -hmm. way I viewed things in my relationships as well. Interesting. Um, Because it just altered my mind so much where I was, I guess, I would just think more negatively Mm -hmm. um, due to that substance. And I know that doesn't, that's not the way everyone is Mm -hmm. if they smoke. Um, But for me, it was, I had such a bad attitude and mm. I was so negative throughout the day, but now I go out throughout the day and I just appreciate the smallest things. Wow, um, which is really nice. Okay. <laughs> and so having like a natural happiness instead of a created happiness is super, super important. Um, what a great word, natural happiness instead of a created
0: <laughs> or a false happiness. Yeah, like an external chemical. That mimics. Yes. It does something to the brain chemistry to like bring out this artificial kind of probably joy or peace or something. But yeah, naturally is different.
1: Yeah, because I'm I was smoking at 25 and I'm about to be 29. So Mm -hmm. that's almost four full years. And it really does alter your brain and makes you think differently and. And the way I was using it and the amount I was smoking, I think that was the bigger issue. I don't think there's much problem with smoking, maybe a little bit. Um, But for me, I was smoking as soon as I got up in the morning, Mm -hmm. in the afternoon. Like I would smoke all day Mm -hmm. before I'd go do anything. Um, I've heard that a lot from people just talking about bowls and and all this. Yeah, (laughs) there would be multiple things I would smoke. I'd smoke, yeah, I'd smoke a bowl or two, actually, I got to the point where my tolerance was so high, I'd have to smoke so much weed for me to even get high. Wow. Um, And then the high wouldn't last but for maybe 30 minutes to an hour. So and that gets expensive, too. Yeah, it's very expensive when you're spending. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm spending almost, I think when I added it up, I was spending about $400, maybe a month or less, like, even three weeks out of the month. And I'm and now I've saved a lot of money by not smoking, wow. <laughs> which has been really nice.
0: Another great motivator. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, it is. You
1: didn't gain weight, but a lot of people
0: report oh, yeah. eating a lot and gaining weight.
1: When I first started smoking, I definitely had the munchies is what we call it um, <laughs> and would eat a lot. But now, like when I would smoke in the past, um, I wouldn't eat as much. I would just kind of be lazy and do nothing with my day, which then makes me feel guilty Uh that I'm not being productive and doing anything for myself or society, Mm -hmm. um, which I felt like was a little bit of a waste. So,
0: yeah, that brings up a interesting question of where would you be on the idea of shame with this? Because with substance abuse and things, there are some people that feel incredible shame, like mm-hmm. guilt, they feel terrible and they hate themselves for what they're doing. And others that are like, no big deal. Like tons of people smoke weed. It's a mm-hmm. plant or tons of people drink a lot. Where would you fall on that continuum of like no shame versus like a lot of shame?
1: Um, I would say, well, it depends on which stage of the mm-hmm. last four years you ask mm-hmm. me. Um, If you ask me right now, I don't feel shameful because that's part of my story. Mm. Um, And I am much healthier now and I have a little bit more of a handle on it now. Um, But if you were to ask me, I guess, oh, gosh, two and a half years ago, three years ago, um, I would feel very, very shameful because that was the part in my life where I was at the lowest. Um, I was I had a plan to commit suicide um and at the time I was just using alcohol and marijuana, um mm. which I've come to learn makes it that much worse for your mental health um mm-hmm. being in that depressive state that I was in um it definitely made me think a lot worse about myself and myself as a person and my value mm. um. So if you ask me now, yes, I am not ashamed. I can say that I, I'm not proud of using those substances and mm-hmm. not proud of like the way it impacted my life. But I can say that I'm proud of who I've become now. Mm. Oh and my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and proud of like the lessons I've learned from it. Um, and I don't want people to just use these substances to learn from it because uh-huh. I don't think... That you need to i think you'd you love can learn. to prevent people the pain yes. and suffering that that all caused oh yeah for sure um and especially for me i was using it to deal with past trauma and childhood trauma that i hadn't dealt with that mm-hmm. i didn't know i hadn't dealt mm-hmm. with um because i had a lot more trauma than i thought i did yes <laughs> and a lot more um, memories that I didn't realize I had and um, struggles that I was going through. Um, But now that I'm on this Mm -hmm. side of it, I can say that I am much healthier and I'm now able to process my emotions and process my trauma a lot easier because Mm -hmm. I'm not in that deep place and I'm not using those substances in the way I was three or two years ago. So... So I just
0: want to emphasize that your perspective and your mentality about all this is really the dream that I wish I could upload out of your brain and download <laughs> into everyone's brains. It, you know, just to say, I have compassion for myself. Yes. I wish things could have been different. It wasn't healthy. It mm-hmm. did a lot of damage to me. And I wish I could have maybe done therapy to work through my trauma when I was a teenager or yeah. whatever age. And then I, Probably wouldn't have had an unhealthy relationship with substances starting Mm -hmm. at age 24, but you've learned and grown so much. But the fact that you're brave enough to share this story with people that maybe it could change five lives or the course of 20 people's lives or however many to know like. You have every right to numb your pain, Mm -hmm. but there's something better than numbing your pain. Yeah. And what would you say that is?
1: Oh, well, talking is the biggest thing. Getting Um, it out. (laughs) Yes. Talking and word vomit, honestly. (laughs) Um, But finding that, finding someone that you can talk to and someone Mm -hmm. that you trust and know that. What You can tell them whatever you want, and they have no judgment whatsoever. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be a therapist. No, it doesn't have to be a therapist. I, And it took me a really long time to trust people because of my past mm-hmm. and my um, trauma that I experienced. But learning who those people are over my lifetime have been tremendous key people in my mm-hmm. life. And I honestly would not be alive today and i can honestly say that um i would not be alive today if it weren't for their support and mm-hmm. their love and everything that they've done for me over the past years and two people in particular would be my sister mm-hmm. um and she was a big big reason for me to keep living mm-hmm. um and then my best friend abby as well mm-hmm. um I mean, I can said
0: so much about both of
1: them. (laughs) I am my best self and I can be my true self around those two people. And I think that's what makes it so important for me is like I'm not hiding who I am and I'm not ashamed of telling them things because I know they won't judge me Um, and they'll love me regardless of what I tell them. And Mm. it's been it's been really hard to get to that point, but I think it's super important Important to mm-hmm. so find those people um, that you can trust, and and even if it's just one person. Oh my goodness, you took the words right out of my <laughs> mouth. If you just have
0: one safe, healthy person yeah. that really loves you unconditionally and sees you and supports you, that can make all the difference in whether you yeah. live or die, yes, or you come out of substance abuse or not. Mm-hmm.
1: So those two people, yeah, you probably wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for those two people. Yeah, I definitely, my sister was the very reason I chose to keep living Mm. and not to commit suicide. Um, And I don't want to harp on that (laughs) topic too much, but yeah, finding the support group and people that will keep you accountable and will um, check in on you and ask you the hard questions and, Mm. and just really be there for you and love you regardless of who you are and what you choose to do in life
0: and good influences. And yes, I do. Healthy, good influences is is key. (laughs) It is key. And I think a lot of people forget that. I mean, it doesn't matter what age you are, you know, I have I do drink alcohol and I have friends that are very heavy drinkers and I definitely drink more around them. I have mm-hmm. friends that don't drink at all or drink minimally and I drink less around them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, you know, friends influence you and you really want those people who want what's healthy and best for you. Yeah. And they're not going to bring you down. And whether it's the way you eat or the substances Mm -hmm. that they're just like, you know, is that good for you? Is that healthy? Like, I want you to be the healthiest person you can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's okay to have fun. But.
1: Oh, yeah. But, you know. Healthy fun. Yes. Watch yourself and be careful and and um, just be mindful of Mm -hmm. how it will affect your body and how it will affect your mind. Because I know a lot of people don't think about that. So and Mm -hmm. that was a big thing for me is how does this affect my mental health? Mm -hmm. And that's something I constantly think about and not just with substances, but with a lot of decisions I make is like, how is this going to be affecting my mental health? Is this going to be healthier or is this going to be more unhealthy for me? That's true. And you can even have friends that stress you out because they make you anxious or they make you feel
0: judged or emotionally unsafe. Um, and this is a good opportunity to bring up. If you Google things, you and I may have done this together. I've been Googling this lately, um, you know, how alcohol affects your anxiety or your depression mm-hmm. a day later. There's so many testimonials of people saying, you know, I noticed the day after I would drink, I would have more panic attacks or.
1: Yeah. My anxiety w- would be higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I know with cocaine, they call it the cocaine blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like the day or within the next three days, cause it would hit me de- various days. Mm-hmm. Um, but you feel very depressed. Um, I would have a lot of anxiety attacks um, mm. and my depression would be very, very low, lower than it like usually is. Um, mm-hmm. But that's part of using the substance is you get that happiness and it keeps you awake and you're able to do whatever um, for hours and hours on end and stay up till the morning and, um, and then the aftermath crash and then you crash and you're tired and you sleep majority of the day. So you like waste and it pay it's a heavy price. You really do. And so that's, maybe that was another big reason I quit doing it. It was because of the aftermath and mm-hmm. how it affected my brain for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and my mental health the next few days after, because that was the worst of it is mm-hmm. not using it in the moment for me. Mm-hmm. It was how it affected me afterwards. Mm.
0: You know, this is probably a really great time for me to also say that my husband and I are polar opposites on this, um, where I have never used an illegal drug in my whole life. <laughs> and, but I have abused alcohol many times mm-hmm. and, and I hate the misery of being hung over And, um, I was very proud of myself. I had a big birthday last week and I was like, I am not Gonna drink too much on my birthday. And I didn't. I was like so proud of myself. But (laughs) every time I am hungover, I'm like, this is completely miserable. And I just wasted at least half a day feeling like I'm on the verge of being sick or
1: Yes. And a a lot of times you do get sick from it the next day. I mean you just lay there, you have a terrible headache, your stomach hurts. Yes. And I know it affects people differently, but those are like pretty common factors. Right. Like, is it worth it? Yeah.
0: I will let my husband, Remo, share his story at some point on a podcast. I think he would be brave enough, but he in his 20s had some very, very heavy, heavy drug use and yeah. especially weed. Um but um, you know, it's it's funny because anyone who thought I was a prude growing up <laughs> when I married him, they're like, well, she must be pretty cool or laid back because she <laughs> married him. <laughs> he's a he's a character as as you will hear if you listen to any of the episodes. But I hope he'll talk about that. And ironically, now he hardly drinks at all. Oh wow. And you know, he's definitely hasn't used drugs since we've been married, but you know mm-hmm. we have a very interesting past there we have some weird similarities but he's yeah. he's
1: seen it all and oh yeah and that's how my parents are uh-huh. my mom i think smoked maybe two or three times in her lifetime mm-hmm. and then weed yes mm-hmm. um and i don't no, if she's done any other substances but i'm almost positive that she hasn't mm-hmm. um but my dad has probably tried everything that you could possibly try so <laughs> it's complete opposite for them as well and uh-huh. that's what makes it a lot harder for me to say no to uh-huh. a lot of substances because it is a generational pattern uh-huh. that i'm trying to correct and I get those addictive personalities from my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not them telling me that i they're the reasons I do drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does affect the way I grew up and the way I was brought up and taught about mm-hmm. substances.
0: You need to start using past tense because you don't do drugs.
1: Anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe nicotine, but I don't consider That's that a substance. real drug. I I need to stop that one, but, and I still do drink. I mean, there are still times that I get in a very depressive state where I need, to, I feel like I need to numb the pain uh-huh. and because I'm not smoking marijuana right now, um, and I will not use cocaine again. Uh-huh. Um, my body thinks it needs a substance to numb that pain and mm-hmm. to create happiness for myself in the moment it feels like the quickest easiest fix oh yeah and it yeah it is but also there's a price to pay you yeah and i feel like crap or like the other day i'm not gonna lie i did drink because i was feeling depressed Mm -hmm. and i was like i'm not happy i'm just not happy today i feel useless Mm -hmm. um so i drank and i And this was like 11 o'clock in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was drunk and then I slept until five or six o'clock that night. And then I was up till three o'clock in the morning (laughs) because I took a really solid nap. But (laughs) (laughs) but not the kind of nap I, you know, (laughs) is healthy. That's hilarious. Because I was drunk and I had no like nothing else to do. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's still a battle of choosing substances to deal with my depression and anxiety, but knowing that there are healthier ways to cope with it. um, And for me, some of those ways are journaling. I mean, I know no one can see this journal right now, but it is falling apart there. The pages Mm -hmm. are not even binded anymore, but I have written in this thing so much. I mean, it's almost to the end now, but it took me until I moved to Chattanooga. So I guess five years ago for me to so like, that journal is priceless. <laughs> it looks to me like maybe there are about
0: 200 pages written and about eight left.
1: Oh yeah. I don't. Yeah. Maybe not even the that. That are left. five left. <laughs> I think it might be. And I write front and back too. So wow. So yep. it's probably it's at least five 200 pages. if
0: not Yeah,
1: but this has been my best coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't think writing would help me at all. And it doesn't help every single person. Mm -hmm. Um, you kind of just have to find what your fix is and what makes you feel better. But writing for me has been fabulous because no one reads this, but me, unless I read something to you in therapy or Mm -hmm. I choose to let someone read something. Yes. Um, but there are some really hateful things in here. Uh-huh. Um, some probably really embarrassing things in here. Um, <laughs> but it has all of my feelings and thoughts in here. Um, and I don't go back and read a lot. Like, uh-huh. it's, once I write it, it's in there. The wow. feelings are down and it's over with. Ooh, yeah. Um, unless I need to reference something. But most of the time, once I write it, There's some closure there. Yeah. And that's kind of what it is. I'm just like getting it out of my brain and putting it on paper. And once it's on the paper, then I can't think about it anymore. Like it's amazing. It's like, you're just taking the trash out and putting it on paper. Yes. And that kind of goes back to that uploading
0: the pain out of yourself and downloading it Mm -hmm. somewhere else Yeah, and dumping it like, and that can be therapy. Oh Yeah. Journaling is free. Yes. And I would encourage yes. anyone who's never tried it to try it. Oh, for sure. In whatever <laughs> format they want to. I yes. mean I don't know if you have any um, examples with this, but I have talked to people about it and sometimes they think, oh, it has to be grammatically correct with punctuation. It could be lists. It could be a yeah. paragraph. It could be bullet points. I mean, there are no rules. It could mm-hmm. be a timeline. Like here's, you know, sometimes I ask people rate your happiness from kindergarten to the present. Mm-hmm. And I know that you can't say, oh, all of kindergarten was an eight. I mean, <laughs> there are highs and lows in yes. everyone's life, but you can give it a range. But you could be creative and use journaling any way that you oh, want. Oh,
1: yeah. When I with I go back to the first like entries, it's like very grammatically correct. I tried mm-hmm. to write very neatly. Um <laughs> And it's very, it's like very much in letter form. But if you continue to look through the journal, it's more of like scratching things out. Ah. It's pretty much like scribble. I even like drew some things in here. I'm not a very good drawer. (laughs) So I don't do that very often. Um, But if I'm like just angry, sometimes I'll just like scribble on the page and just go it, with what it helps intuitively. A, yeah. yeah. So what do you
0: make of how your journal format has evolved?
1: Oh, um, I would say it's very much different now. A lot of it is a list or just like random thoughts. And I think that really helps me throughout the day. It's just like whenever I have something that I feel like I need to write down, it's just like a quick thought and then I close it and I'm done. Um, hmm. So I think it's been a much healthier progression for sure. Um, because now I'm more comfortable in the way I write in my journal mm. and this is the best way for me to understand it. Now, if someone were to look at my journal, they'd be like, I don't know what this means because it's my ADHD brain writing uh-huh. everywhere and just, and you're sporadic. like, you don't need to know what it means. Cause I did this for me. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, no one else needs to know, but me. And that's the only important thing is ah. that it's for you and only you. So this is powerful. And I date every single day just in case because uh-huh. I do like to go back occasionally and not read, but like look at the dates and see how often I'd write that week or that month or something. But
0: And those little things are really important because I am certainly mm-hmm. no handwriting expert, but you may have heard <laughs> that your handwriting tends to be smaller when you have low self-esteem.
1: Yeah, I think... Well, if you look at mine in the beginning, it's very tiny, ah. very, very tiny. And then I don't write big anyway, uh-huh. but it definitely is like more legible uh-huh. and it has gotten big over the time. Well, bigger for me, but, um, yeah, I would start capitalizing things and writing things and bold and stuff like that. So yeah, I would say that I agree with that. <laughs> Maybe it was signs of
0: life. Like, you know, when you were really, really depressed the flatness and the mm-hmm. fatigue and the, the loss of hope or the meaninglessness or whatever words yeah. you would put to it, the freer, the more alive you became and yes. the freer you, the more freedom you gave yourself and the more acceptance and even love, mm-hmm. like seeing yourself and valuing your story is a, a really amazing way to love yourself. Yeah. And when you love yourself, that changes your whole life because you feel differently and you see the world differently.
1: Yes. Oh, for sure. And I can remember like what you were saying earlier, how I came in to my first few sessions, like very quiet. My voice was, I have a quiet voice anyway, but it was like almost a whisper. Mm -hmm. I didn't smile. I would cry a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I guess it was like a couple months later and you were just like, you seem different. Like I can see a glow to you. I think that's Mm -hmm. what you said. And I was smiling and I was happy and I can just Feel the difference and tell that I've changed because of therapy and journaling and making those hard life choices, such as cutting out all of these substances in my life.
0: Yeah. And I would almost guess that you spent five hours outside of therapy doing personal growth to every one therapy hour.
1: Yeah. I (laughs) think you spent
0: five hours journaling, reading, letter writing, journal, but you tell me what, what would your ratio be that you would guess?
1: Um, well, there would be days that it would be hours because I would, I also love to read. So I would read books, um, that would help me in therapy. And then I'd write about the book Mm -hmm. and then I'd write part of a letter. And so it would be a couple hours of like working outside of therapy, but I think that's, um, something that a lot of people don't realize and why they think therapy may not work necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um it's not just about going to that one hour a week or mm-hmm. however often you go. It's about all of the really hard work that you do outside of therapy, exactly. Like That's the easy up the process. So yes. Much. I think the easy part for me was going to therapy mm-hmm. and coming to see you mm-hmm. and talking. Um, But the harder part is like you're not there outside of the therapy session. You don't see me in my day to day and what I actually choose to do. So I have to put all that like responsibility on myself to change. And and it worked (laughs) well and I've seen you.
0: Send books to your sister. Yes. Order books. Tell friends to read books. Try to encourage friends to do therapy. Oh, yeah. You have several, you know, people in your circle who have addiction issues and Mm -hmm. you encourage them to get therapy. And if they don't like the therapist they're they're working with to go find a new therapist, you really want what's best for people, which is what I think love really is. When you care about people, you root for them to have a better life
1: and you encourage them and point them in healthy directions. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it starts with like learning to love yourself first. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've had to teach myself and I'm still teaching myself. um, Because there was, I mean, it was years and years and years that I did not find any value in myself and Mm -hmm. any importance to my life um, and what I could do and help, Others do. You didn't Um, see how much you had to offer the world. Yeah. So I think learning to love yourself and learning what's best for you is really important. And I'm not saying everyone needs therapy, but Mm -hmm. I think from what you say, and I totally agree, everyone can definitely benefit from therapy Mm -hmm. in some sort of way. So
0: that's a really good distinction because sometimes I'll have people say, do you think I need therapy? <laughs> and oftentimes, I mean, there are times I think truly someone needs that. They definitely need some version of help. And if they aren't going to journal or read books or, mm-hmm. you know, cry and, and do what they need <laughs> to do, then, then therapy is one of the easier options. Mm-hmm. But I do use that very same word. I say, I think that anyone could benefit from it. Yes. So I love that. It's an important distinction. Is it mm-hmm. a necessity or is it beneficial and healthy? Yes.
1: Yes. And for me, it was a necessity Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because I couldn't have dealt with all this past trauma and I probably would still be using cocaine and drinking heavily and honestly smoking every single day because that's what I was doing. So, um, well, and
0: I'm afraid this thought is going to pass if I don't say it. I mean, When you learn to love yourself Mm -hmm. and see yourself like you have always had so much, so many resources and gifts to offer the world, but when you're severely depressed Mm -hmm. or addicted or any combination traumatized, the wind's out of your sails, it's really hard to either see that, but also you're not in a healthy place. So it's hard to give a lot, but Mm -hmm. It's not a cocky kind of self-love. It's more of an accurate, realistic, like I know myself, I value myself, and I really love what I have to offer the world. And that helps you get your calling to where if you don't value yourself, you're not going to go out there and offer much to the world if you don't see what you have to
1: offer. Exactly. You need to know your worth because you are worth everything like yes you're worth li- living for and loving so yeah and everyone has so much to contribute but oh yeah probably only
0: one in three people even see that if if that many mm-hmm. two-thirds of the people probably just don't even see themselves accurately and they haven't figured yeah. out wh-
1: how much they have to offer the world mm-hmm. and it takes everybody a different amount of time and everybody has a different journey but I think it's totally worth making that journey and learning about yourself and learning what works for you and what's healthiest.
0: Yeah, and what a crime if you had committed <clears throat> suicide. I mean, just such a beautiful yeah. person <laughs> that has so much to offer this world. And some really really sensitive people end up in terrible addiction. Yeah. Because they can't handle the pain of the world because they have such a big heart. And the world is full of a lot of pain.
1: Yeah, and a lot of
0: beauty. <laughs> yes. And a lot of pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And some of these people that do kill themselves are some of the most beautiful people that just, they, are. they can't heal in time and they can't handle the pain. And so they do kill themselves mm-hmm. and then they steal a beautiful person from the world. So yeah. thank goodness. I'm so <laughs> thankful that you're here and I can't I am wait too. to see you. I am you.
1: too. And I'm not saying like life is going to be great and dandy uh-huh. and it's going to be a hundred times better after yeah. that, but I do think it's worth giving it a shot and worth trying to work on yourself. Yeah. um, Because I do have a lot to offer and I do want to help people because Mm -hmm. it's not worth losing your life over. Exactly.
0: And one of the symptoms of depression that a lot of people don't know is feelings of worthlessness. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's like a very skewed a sense of yourself. And, and I like to say irrational feelings of worthlessness because all these other people probably saw, Emma, you're amazing when you were at your lowest point, but you didn't see it, you know? Oh no. (laughs) I know we're both tearing up a little bit. Nobody can see us, but
1: no, I mean, it's, these are more happy tears now, Mm -hmm. um, because I am still here today. Um, Mm -hmm. and it did take a lot of work, and it still takes a lot of work every single day. Um, and a, a lot of days, it, I don't want to do that work, which is why I do choose these substances, and I drink myself into being drunk and and sleeping until I can, yeah. until I feel be- feel better in quotations because uh-huh. uh-huh. it's not I actually feel better. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, it's just. You have to realize what your worth is and and to love yourself first.
0: <laughs> Both graphically.
1: <clinics. laughs> yes. Um, well, and you
0: know, this is, you know, a neat time to mention the fact that you have your masters in social work. I do. <laughs> and you were wise enough to know that you weren't ready to go into a career in that while you were struggling.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it took me a long time. I felt a lot of shame for that. Um, shame for not using your, um, your degree because it's been, I guess, three or I honestly three or four, I can't remember, (laughs) um, since I've graduated grad school, um, with my masters and, and I knew I didn't need to start, um, looking for jobs in the field yet because I I believe that if you are not mentally healthy, then you can't help someone else be mentally healthy. Um, And I'm not saying I'm like 100% healthy. Right. um, Because I will still struggle and will continue to struggle every single day because the thing with mental illness is that you will continually destroy. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Word. (laughs) Um, But you will continue to struggle. But yeah, for me, it was... I have to work on myself so I can invest and truly help other people because I will better understand how to help people if I know how to help myself first.
0: Yeah. And I think you intuitively knew that this journey that you have been on and we're talking hours a week Mm -hmm. of you and you were working doing other things. Yeah. But that was it's a very emotionally demanding journey. It is (laughs) unpacking pain, sorting out your trauma, sorting out your past, making peace with your story and people in your life. And, you know, that you wanted to do that process justice. Yeah. And you probably could have, you know, once you maybe recovered to where I don't know, when you first came in, if you felt like, oh, I'm like, operating at 20% capacity, I don't know where you were. Oh, it was low. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, once you got To maybe the 60% mark or 50, you probably could have helped a lot of people, but would that have been fair or would it have slowed down your journey because therapy can be emotionally draining? Oh
1: yeah. And it was in the beginning, like it was very emotionally draining, but that's Uh because you're just processing so much, um, of your story that you didn't realize you had to process. Um, and that takes so much courage. (laughs) <laughs> like when you think people that think that
0: going to therapy is weak, I would argue yeah. it's the polar opposite in most
1: cases. Oh, I 100 percent believe that it's I mean, I'm not trying to like praise myself, but I am going to praise myself. Like I was told that I needed therapy at a young age, but wasn't given the resources to do so. So mm-hmm. and my parents always kind of look down on it. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they. Don't agree with it. Um, But I will say my dad may not um, Not agree with mental health 100%. And I think that's just because he doesn't understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, therapy takes a lot of courage because telling someone your most valuable secrets and everything about yourself that you didn't know and you do know um, Mm -hmm. and being vulnerable is... It's scary, yeah. Um, but I think once you get comfortable doing that, mm-hmm. it's like word like word vomit, and that's kind of what I do when I come to therapy. Now is like I can't shut up. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> well, delving into the archives of painful past and trauma is very, very, very scary, mm-hmm. and I can see why people would either not want to do that and mm-hmm. think, "Why would I want to?" stir up the past and, and think through painful things. Like I can understand that, Oh yeah. but I think that your story is a perfect example of, it is very, very hard work, but you don't want to carry that with you because it's in there. Oh yeah.
1: And you don't want to spend
0: your life carrying like a hundred pounds of pain with you when you could upload it.
1: Yes. (laughs) And outload it. (laughs) Yes. And for me, it was, I was carrying my my trauma and also my parents' trauma because Mm. they hadn't dealt with it, which was why it was so much easier for me to pick substances to deal with my mental illness Um, because I was carrying all of the trauma from generations past because no one had decided to fix their trauma. Mm. So I had to fix mine and theirs and I'm still working on it. Um, so, you had to work through theirs. Of course you didn't fix theirs. Oh yeah. You worked through, worked through th- th- and you. process that. Yeah. And so I think if you don't work through mm-hmm. yours, then you're only going to carry it with you and pass it down to your children or whoever it is. Exactly. But exactly. which is not what I want to do because I know how it feels. <laughs> so, yes.
0: You're a generation changer.
1: Yeah. And it's not easy doing that. I think it honestly is the hardest thing I've ever done is changing the generational pattern in my family. Um, but I think it's so worth it um, mm-hmm. because I am. Yeah, I am the happiest I've ever been. And I honestly didn't think I would get here and mm-hmm. reach this point. But um, I'm really glad I have. <laughs> oh, I
0: am, too. I mean, so. You know, in your calling, it's kind of ironic that you chose to go into social work, but you knew you weren't ready to practice or you you would have been doing a disservice to yourself at the very least um, by not getting to a healthy place. And I love that you said it's not going to be 100 percent because I think 80 percent is pretty darn good for most people.
1: Oh, yeah, I think that's. Very good. Yeah, And a lot of
0: people out there doing a pretty decent job and they might feel like they're only functioning at 40, 50% capacity and whatever their line of work. And, Mm -hmm. but, um, but you owed it to yourself. That's a really good way to say it. And, um, it's just gonna benefit everyone that comes in contact with you for the rest of your life, whether it's your future children or your best friends or your Mm -hmm. clients. Um, so, well, I, There's no way to fully do your story justice, but I think you've done a really, really good job.
1: (laughs) I might have overshared, but I tried. (laughs) Oh, no.
0: I I just love your mentality and about your, your past addictions and just your mentality towards yourself of like, I can't remember verbatim how you said it, but it was basically like you know, I have regrets and some of my past is, you know, embarrassing, but I'm actually very proud of it because of what I've been through. And it's part of my story. And I love my story. And we all have so much brokenness in our families and ourselves Uh and in our stories. And, you know, just the willingness to say, I don't ever need people to think that i have it all together or that i have no a rock, <laughs> oh my gosh no no rocks in my past <laughs> um the more open and vulnerable we are with people people start coming out of the woodwork going me yeah. too like oh yeah i've and- had the same problem and it's not just an uphill progression it's like you said two steps forward one step back like yep. it's an ongoing struggle
1: like oh yeah and it always will be but i think it will help you get closer in your relationships with not just your partner, but like friendships or family, like it will change so many aspects of your life. Mm. So, and that's really important.
0: Well, I hope the listeners will go to the website and read my description about how counseling is a sacred opportunity because this story today is exactly what I'm talking about. And the other cheesy, I don't like to sound cheesy, but sometimes I just have to. Um, (laughs) But the other cheesy part of that is like, I feel like I am in this um, vault at a bank getting to see these rare jewels and stones that no one else gets to see in my Uh, office. And it feels like a crime to not have people get to see the beauty of what I'm seeing Mm -hmm. and the inspiration. And you are exactly that way. Like, (laughs) it's just exactly like, thank you for sharing this with people because it would be, it seems like a crime for no one else to get to see your story and, and just how inspiring it is. So,
1: well, thank you for having me. I honestly have really enjoyed this. So Good. I'm well, excited.
0: <laughs> keep telling your story. And I hope everyone will tell their story, you know, and oh yeah, do themselves justice. And um, maybe you will inspire a bunch of people to, to, you know, get healthier and live a fuller, freer life.
1: Yes. Everyone deserves happiness, even if you create it yourself. Yes. Only in a healthy way though. (laughs) Yes. You're not allowed to choose any unhealthy methods. You can, but it's probably not a good idea.
0: (laughs) We don't recommend that.